Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 22. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. And we're a couple getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's media and pop culture blind spots and sharing the must-see movies and guilty pleasures from our pasts. Yes. Yes. That's, that's what we're doing. So we've been away for a while, but we're back this week with, with what? Um, Fanny and Alexander from what year? Ingmar Bergman's Fanny and Alexander from 1982. Oh, 82. But but first of all, we want to welcome you to a new year. Happy right? New Year. We've, as I said, we've been away for a while, over a month. We went to Los Angeles. We went to Palm Springs. For you guys, we walked the back lots of Warner Brothers. We did. We so did. one day we can point out every scene ever filmed in, in the Warner Brothers uh, mm-hmm. Hennessy Street yes. back lot set. So... We got the stand where uh, Prince sat on the motorcycle for the Purple Rain album cover photo shoot. It's true. And all variety of famous, important films like Annie were shot on that street. Okay, I was thinking maybe more like Maltese Falcon. Yeah. Okay. And And that uh, new Tay Diggs TV show or something something Um, like that. Anyway, we can review the Warner Brothers backlot studio tour another time. Yes. We also got to see some fantastic um, mid-century architecture we in did. Palm Springs. We had tiki drinks and we went to... For you guys, we had tiki drinks. Mm-hmm. And Much as we're having old fashions tonight, old it's fashions. not a tiki drink, but no. we're working our way through a new cocktail Well, I, I don't have any cognac to go with the movie, so we'll have to go with bourbon. It's as close as we can get. So anyway, we're back. And if you're still there, we're still here. And uh, so let's talk about the movie. Okay. So you chose Fanny and I did. Alexander. I am responsible for this week's choice. Yes, I I had not seen. This is my second Bergman film, I believe. The first is one is it really being only the second? So what was the other one you saw? Seventh. Seal signs. <laughs> no signs is the one seventh, with Demi Moore. <laughs> Here's our mnemonic. <laughs> the seventh sign is Demi Moore. <laughs> it's not a mnemonic. So seven samurai. Interestingly, I <clears throat> only saw this the seventh. Seal, sign, seal, seal. Sign, seal, delivered? Seal. Stevie Wonder. Okay. Anyway, the, the seventh one, whichever one I saw, I only saw that one because I accidentally checked that one out when I meant to check out um, uh, Seven Samurai. So I've still not seen Seven Samurai, but I have seen. I can't remember if I've said before that we're going to deal with Seven Samurai at some point, but we're not going to do it the week after Fanny and Alexander. okay. okay. So, um, what you didn't mention is that I've been wanting to show this movie to you for a long time, and we started to watch it a year ago. Yes, around Christmas time. And it was before we started the show. It was mm-hmm. right before we started this show last year. And what I really wanted was to show you the Christmas section of the mm-hmm. movie. But anyway, what else do we need to cover here? Why did I choose the movie and all that? Yeah, why did you choose that movie? Yeah. Let me just interview myself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so... Um, I chose this movie for its seasonal qualities. Yes. No, actually for me, it's like a movie that I love to watch the first hour of the movie around Christmas time. Mm. Um, Christmas with the Ekdal family in the, you know, turn of the century, 1907 teens kind of thing. But that grandmother's wonderful house with the, the beautiful red and sumptuous decor and all of the family moving in and out and the singing and the, just the joy of life and all of that. And so... I've sometimes watched just that part and then I'm done with it because it turns into a much different... Understandable. It turns into (laughs) a a much different film. But if you want to go back to where it came from in my history, 
I first became aware of Fanny and Alexander because it was one of my mom's favorite films. Yeah. And strangely, I was just telling you this the other day that all of a sudden I've been like reading and going back and somehow the last couple books and movies and things I've dealt with were things that my mom used to like. Mm. And I think it's kind of totally subconscious. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so it was many years later. I didn't see Fanny and Alexander back in the 80s when it came out. You know, she saw it when it came out in the theater. She would rent it several times, you know, over the years or would watch it when it came up on cable or Bravo or something like that. And I, I didn't see it back then. It was only maybe it was sometime before my girls were born. So mm. this would place it back around 15 years ago or so. Yeah. When I um, when I finally picked up a copy of the original Criterion DVD release and was like, this looks beautiful. I love other Bergman films. I've always wanted to see this. And they released the, the first um, box set version of Fanny Alexander, which had both the theatrical release. Um, it was released in movie theaters around yeah. the world. It won Oscars and awards everywhere. But also it included the television version. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two versions of Fanny and, I, Fanny and Alexander. Um, there's also like a five five hour, just over five yeah. hour, five part miniseries that was created for Swedish television. Um, but most of us have just seen the theatrical. So anyway, I saw it. I loved the movie back mm. then. And I had only ever seen the uh, TV version. Yeah. I've only seen the long version until I sat down with you and watched the theatrical cut the other day. Okay. So So you were showing yourself a new movie too, in a way. Well, I didn't want to make you watch the five yeah. hour version for the show. And yeah. I figured, you know, we're in good hands if this movie on its own terms is like respected as one of Bergman's mm. greatest films and it's one of his most accessible, mm-hmm. ac- accessible films. Yes. Um, that I thought, let's just stick with the theatrical release. If you like it someday in the future, we can go back and, and like, you know, see the longer version if yeah. you're interested, <laughs> but we're not doing that right now for any comparison. Purpose. Yeah. So, oh, so as usual, we have a weekly cat fight for you on the podcast. The cats are hissing at each other in the background. Um, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So um, just by way of, I guess, a short, very des- short description of, of the plot of the about? movie. Um, the plot, um, it actually, it starts with Alexander and to some extent his sister Fanny, but well, anyway, I'd. It it doesn't end up being completely their story in in many respects, but anyway, Alexander's hanging around at his grandmother's house before the big party. There's a big party on Christmas at his grandmother's house, and you get introduced to the whole big family: his his dad and his mom and his aunts and his uncles and cousins, and everybody's there for Christmas, and it's a big old party. Um, and then um, it follows. And his family are in the theater business. Yeah, they have are. they have the town theater. They're yeah. actors and they run the theater and all that. And um, so then it follows Alexander throughout. I don't know if it's a year or several years. It's un it's unclear. Time passes oddly, but it's the events of of the big events that happen in his life. I don't know if we can spoil. It's nineteen eighty two, so I don't know if we should spoil this. You know. Well, it's a big plot point. His father dies, and it causes a spoil. bunch of changes in the family, and um, and then you know ends up with this, uh, a stepfather who's not the greatest guy in the world, and then eventually escaping from said stepfather, and then you know then we have sort of the happy resolution at the end of the movie. Um, so I think it's it's over the course of maybe five years or three years oh, or something I like really, that. I think it's just about a year and a half or so. Oh, really? It's a so short period. I think it's a short period of yeah. time. You've got the 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 Christmas celebration mm. that time of the year. 
the father dies sometime in the next couple months in the yeah. spring, I think, or towards the end of the yeah, winter. Yeah, it's the spring. Um, yeah. We maybe... don't have a good sense of how much time. It it seems very quickly that his mother um, marries the bishop. Yeah. She marries, I mean, the whole plot really kicks in about an hour yeah. into the film. <laughs> the father dies um, and she marries a strict, austere bishop. Yeah. Um, who she's in love with. It's like and, Lutheran and, or something. I don't know. And super you go from the joy and the warmth of, of the family life that they had to basically they're all locked kind of in a garret yeah. <laughs> at the bishop's house and everything is now just completely cold and joyless and strict and austere and everybody and it's uh the the bishop he's he's much older than the mother too. I mean yeah. he's gotta be in his fifties mm-hmm. and he lives with his his sister, you know, middle-aged sister and his old mother. And yeah. it's just, you know, there's no... Well, there's like two sisters, I think, aren't there? It's very sparsely furnished. Yeah. They live, they, they go to living in sort of monk-like conditions. Mm. And he asks her the great sacrifice of, when you come with me, when you move in with me, I want you to come with nothing. Yeah. I want no, not, do not bring any of your clothes, your belongings, your furniture. It would mean the world to me that you start over in peace and, you know, a, a new life from, and at that point she's still in love with him and, and doesn't realize that. This is why you don't make yeah. major family decisions within, you know, six months of a major loss or when you start just first yeah. get into a major relationship, you wait a few months. And Alexander years. is a 12 year old boy, mm-hmm. a normal 12 year old boy with yeah. a big imagination. And he's in love with the, his family's theater and he has a magic lantern and he kind of in his grandmother's house with all the statuary and candles and things around and toys and, and stuff. He just has, you get the sense of this rich inner life yeah. and he has, I wouldn't say visions, but, you know, daydreams and fantasies. And there's this element of the supernatural in the movie, which I also really think is cool and, and interesting and makes this film unique is, yeah. is what did you think when, you know, the father's ghost appears for the first time? Yeah. I mean, I guess I didn't really think, I mean, like, I don't know. It's, it's a movie. Things, things like that happen, I guess. I don't know. I, it didn't, it didn't surprise me. At one point, I thought we were because there were so many references to Hamlet that I thought we were going in the sort of Hamlet direction. And there's a little bit of that with like the mom marrying oh, I think the it's, stepfather. It's definitely and, there because yeah. his father has a stroke while he's yeah. performing as Hamlet. the ghost in Hamlet. Yeah, right. And then he becomes the ghost, the ghost. trying to protect his son but Alexander. Then Alexander isn't the only one who sees Oscar as a ghost. Also, his um, mother. His mother sees him Helena. as a ghost. You know, when she has the three visitors that tell her that she needs to do something about the children, mm-hmm. you know, she had. And and it's funny, like when we're watching it after there were two, I was like, there's going to be a third person that comes inside. Things so, happen in three. Yes, they do. So. So what my. Uh, one. the OK, so the first thing that I noticed is the movie's called Fanny and Alexander. The movie doesn't really have much of Fanny in it at all. I don't know if she's in more of the no i don't think i don't think she is in much more i I wish i could speak more about the longer version yeah but it's been it's been that 10 or 12 years since i saw that interesting because it's obviously alexander i mean it's pretty much told through alexander's eyes almost entirely fanny is kind of i don't think the movie the title of the movie is referencing fanny Mm. and alexander as the protagonist but it's sort of 
it's the concerning. It's concerning. <laughs> Fanny and Alexander. What the crap happens to Fanny yeah. and Alexander? Yeah. What happens to them? What becomes of them when their family goes from joy to despair? Yeah, I, I don't know. So I have because they're the pawns in the whole thing. I don't know if this. Well, this is just like one of the things I was thinking about the movie after we watched it, and one of the things that occurred to me is that a lot of the men in the movie. Oscar um, Gustav Adolf is the uh-huh. is the he's the womanizing um, uncle so who the, has yeah. an affair with their nursemaid. Yeah, and the the younger brother, whatever the other brother, whatever his name, Carl. Is, Carl, and then even to an extent, uh, the 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 monk, the not the bishop, monk, the bishop, Bishop Edvard, Edvard, and even uh, Ishak, Ishak. Anyway, Isak, the, uh, their um, grandmother's the oldest men, and dearest friend. I mean, to me, and I, I don't know if this is like universally true, but for a lot of the char- the male characters, including Alexander, are sort of wrapped up in this other world of some sort, whether it's theater in Oscar's case or women and romance like uh, Gustav or Alexander and his images and ghosts and everything like that. Um, or in the case of Edward, which is like his like obsession with the Lord and purity and all this stuff, it seems like they're like obsessed with this sort of otherworldly, more romantic, dreamy sort of thing, which is interesting. And then the women, like all the women seem more like grounded in Very reality. grounded, down to earth. Yeah. They're the ones running exactly. the house, taking care of all the practicalities. Yeah. The men are not practical. They're no. dreamers and visionaries and weird strict religious Alexander's people. Alexander is an artist in the making. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Know. It's very interesting to me. I it's rare to see that particular aspect. Uh-huh. I mean, like I So you're saying the men are quite flighty in this. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like well, the first example that I can think of is when uh, Gustav um he's he's having his affair with the the nursemaid. Yeah. Um and like, you know, they're they're playing around and being silly and bantering. And then, you know, he's promising her all those things. A cafe. She's yeah. going to run a cafe. He promises. And she laughs at him and she says, why, oh, why so do you funny. think why do you think I need anything from you? And he like is so offended. It's like he's, he's he like, like gets you up just and think leave. I'm a silly old man. Yeah. It totally kills the mood. Yeah. And he's like offended and and he wants and you're to, just he, laughing at me. I'm yeah. an old man. You're just kind of he know. wants to be the provider and the mm-hmm. like. I don't know. He 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 needs that for his. E- it's very interesting yeah. like reaction that he has. And I'm kind of like, where did that come from? Why did you not like the fact that she was just into you yeah. as, and didn't want anything? Else? I know exactly. <laughs> it seems like the perfect thing. She didn't want anything from him. Yeah. Well, and then later in the movie, when like his his wife and his his wife, who is very understanding mm-hmm. of his uh, flings, she's like, whatever, you know, I've got stuff to do, yeah. you know, let him do his mm-hmm. thing, you know. When they start to talk to him about the practicalities of like, you know, he's impregnated this nursemaid and like what it what it means now that you know mm-hmm. they're gonna have another kid in their life and you know this it's woman his, is part of their gonna, family his, you know the child's gonna be recognized as his son yeah right that yeah. woman's part of the family by the yeah. end of the film and he just doesn't want to talk about it he's just so offended that they mm-hmm. bringing up these these issues so that's that's you know one of the things but i i, I just the men seem like children in they a way. do yeah they seem actually the 
adult men seem more like children than Fanny and Alexander do. It's true. It's true. And I feel like Fanny just kind of is that, that representative of like, you know, like, I guess the main thing is that when their father is dying and they go to visit mm-hmm. their father, Fanny do- is the one that just goes to see him and to say goodbye, whereas Alexander kind of has a freak out about it. He and retreats can't. and he can't, he's can't, he can't deal with it. Be yeah. with his dad. He cowers in the corner and is afraid to see him. Yeah. And I think the dad passes away at that moment. Yeah, I think right. And he's in the right room as... when he refuses to go over to him. Yeah. So, um, it's 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 a, it's very interesting because that is not usually how women are represented. I liked uh-huh. it. I liked it a lot for that. You know that. I mean, I don't like the idea that women are only you know no. only focused on reality. And Emil a little bit gets sort of wrapped up in the romance of of her of her romance with for some reason the bishop. I don't. Yeah. So <laughs> I can't attest to this for sure, but I feel like there's a bit more of a transition from the death mm. of the father to her being courted or at least in, interacting with the Bishop more than yeah. suddenly he's in the room disciplining Alexander. And the next thing they're announcing their betrothal. Yeah. Which is so, not a good way to introduce your children <laughs> to their new stepfather. I just <laughs> don't to, think. Is to have them discipline <laughs> you for lying. Yeah. So what's interesting, one of the interesting things is like Alexander's like, richly imaginative and tells mm. stories right he yeah ima- he tells stories he makes stuff up he lies i guess yeah. if you want to call it that well the bishop certainly thinks of it as a lie and like a you know ungodly and a horrible thing and like the most severe punishments mm. you know and whippings and beatings and stuff come out of these like lies yeah you know these stories that he tells well, and I think that, I mean, that's part of Edward is that he lives in a world where there's absolute truth, mm-hmm. you know, and Alexander doesn't come from a world where there's absolute truth, you know, acting is lying on stage, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think there's a Mr. Show joke related to a- actors are just lying loudly just on lying. stage or yeah. something like that. But, um, um, yeah, for him, like truth is a more relative So I was reading a little bit about the movie and um, there's a huge autobiographical element of the film. I figured there was. I mean, Alexander basically is a stand-in for Ingmar Mm. Bergman as a boy. And um, so he wanted to capture the happy part of his childhood and that the grandmother's house and that whole thing is based on those memories of, I mean, and you can tell, Mm. you know. But unfortunately, the Bishop character comes from Ingmar Bergman's actual father mm-hmm. who's a really strict austere Lutheran minister it's interesting psychologically yeah. that he's now cast him <laughs> as the evil stepfather yeah. in the film version but he had that kind of a like punishment and severe austere kind of you know and and his his fantasy world and his you know wanting to you know just play with his magic lantern and all of that kind of stuff was very frustrated and looked down upon and the fact that he probably went into art and theater you know, he started in theater, I think, before film. Or mm. had always worked in both worlds. Um, but um, <laughs> I forget where I was going with that. Oh, he one of the things he wanted to capture about his grandmother's house and home and that life was how to him as a child in that world, 
like it was hard to distinguish between fantasy and reality. Mm. He he would swear that he did see statues move or ghosts and things like that. It all like that's how rich his. That's right. That is the first sort of incident in the opening of we set up the idea that we that this is possible in the opening of the movie where he's alone in his grandmother's house, kind of running around. He he falls asleep under her table Mm. under the tablecloth. And presumably wakes up, and as the clock chimes, you see a full-size female naked statue across the room. You sort know, of a Venus or something. Sort of a Venus kind of thing. As the clock chimes, slowly lift its head and open its eyes mm. and move. And you're <laughs> from that point on, you know that either he is imagining this, or we are in a world where we're going to... S- where this is the norm, you know, a ghost is going to, I think the father's ghost appears like four or five times throughout the film. Yeah, he does. And to different people, not, he, mm. he sits next to his grandmother. So it's not just I Alexander. Mean, this yeah. is a film, this is a world where ghosts are part of yeah. the, part of it. Well, which I, I really to, like how seamlessly yeah. it does that. Boy, that, the, the first scene with the Christmas is, um, I mean, I, I understand why you would want to see it every year. It's it's so rich in detail. It's so, you know, it just captures everything that's beautiful and wonderful about Christmas. The house is beautifully mm-hmm. decorated. There's presents and fancy foods and, and, you know, the whole family's around being nuts, you know. I have to say, this new Blu-ray, I've never seen yeah. the film look like this before because the reds, that those mm, rich, sumptuous beautiful. reds, the overall look of that of the grandmother's house is that brilliant red. Yeah, and then, it's very warm. And then if you want to talk about color and photography, when you get to the bishop's house, it's completely it's white, colorless. White. It's all white, it's yeah. all stone, it's all natural light from like overcast yeah. winter skies. It's shadows, there's very little light or candle, and it's just horrible. Yeah. And it's really starkly done, and but, but well contrasted, those mm. two worlds. I mean, it's, <laughs> I guess it's kind of, you know, I don't think it's heavy-handed. I think it's appropriate to the subject matter. Yeah. But it's very much like, here's joy and life, and here's death and solemn solemnity yeah. <laughs> and austerity. Yeah. So how does... The, it's a long movie mm. and I, I, it took us two days two to days watch to it. Watch we it, watched yeah. it in two installments. I think we watched about two thirds of it the first yeah. day. So does it feel like a terribly long, monotonous, <laughs> boring movie? No, to you? it does Cause I don't think it does. Well, and but. I actually there, yeah, like I said, I think there are some parts that could have done with some expansion, like, um, Carl and his wife, you know, Carl, who's like, horrible, miserable guy who's in debt. Well, that and just he, disappears in yeah, the Yeah, he hates his German version. wife, and then it just goes away, you know. His German wife seems nice. And he's very abusive. Yeah, he alcoholic is. Alcoholic and abusive and... Manipulative. Manipulative, yeah. childlike. Mm-hmm. We see all of that that first night at the Christmas party, and then he's nearly dropped in the theatrical cut. And I just... We don't... I don't think we see him again. I mean, we're missing two Except, hours of the story. Yeah. Okay, so I think... And I did feel there were there were lots of it that felt clipped and underdeveloped. Yeah. And, well, yet, and yet the whole arc of the movie still worked. The overall arc of Fanny and Alexander, life with their mom, love, their dad, theater, joy. Yeah. 
you know, death of the father, austerity and punishment, and then salvation. Yeah. It's all still there, but you lose some of the, the feeling like it's a novel. Yeah. I think, even though it still feels that rich, it still feels like there's a lot below this. There's a lot below the surface and you mm-hmm. don't have to see all of it to know that it's there. Yeah. These people have a life off the screen. All these like whatever, 15 or 20 characters that you meet. Well, I was fascinated with, and I'm sure there's not a whole lot more, but I'm fascinated by the relationship between, um, um, Ishtak, Isaac, 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 Isaac and, and the, and Isaac, Hel- Isaac and, and the grandmother, you grandmother know, cause they Helena. obviously, you know, I think they would be lovers if it was socially acceptable to be so, but I don't think that I, they, it was socially acceptable. I love that subplot. Yeah. I love those two characters dearly. Yeah. I just, she's one of my favorite characters. It's like she's, she's truly like, I don't know, the head of the family Yeah, and she's loving and she can be strict, but and with her sons mm-hmm. who are badly behaved and act like children yes. sometimes <laughs> when do you lend them money and when do you cut them off yeah. when do you indulge their excesses and when do you hold them accountable for arriving late at dinner yeah and um and that's wonderful sense of her past with Isak the he he's um uh her lifelong friend yeah um he's jewish he runs a uh, some sort of business. I'm not sure if it has to do with the puppets or the marionettes or if it's mm. more, or if it's like an antique slash pawn shop kind of situation. Well, I think it's antiques, or, but he also has the but weird, he has the nephew or who makes puppets. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I don't, I don't, and then has some sort of weird, that's the weird socially disturbed, um, person living in a, a right. cage locked away in a, in a cage. Another weird, semi-supernatural kind of strange... Yeah, like so elf creature. Okay. Some sort of elf creature with like a bipolar the, person, personality disorder there, or something it's, like it's that. It's a family, yeah. it's a relationship. <laughs> I can't remember the name. of. It's another one of his nephews or something that's mm. locked away. They feed them every day and mm. you're expecting some terrifying like golem-like creature. And you... Just a cute... You get sort of an elfin androgynous, androgynous, um, yeah. I person see, I, who's she psych- looked almost like philosophically yeah, devastating. Yeah. I think it's like I don't know. Well, I mean, I th- I think it exists in order to help Alexander deal with the fact that he he wants his stepfather to be dead, but that is a terrible thing mm-hmm. to, to want, mm-hmm. you know, to wish upon someone, you know. So like. You know, they make it sound like Alexander created it with created this with his mind. It seems like it's just like sort of a coping mechanism or something mm-hmm. like that. I to, just love these times like that where you're where Alexander's wandering around that house yeah. in the middle of the night and you're not sure what's behind the doors and he's <laughs> kind of lost. He had to get up to pee and he doesn't know where anything is and you know that there's the weird relative locked up somewhere and you don't know why. You don't <laughs> yeah. know if they're terribly sick. You don't know if they're insane and yeah. deranged and psychotic or what. It's just one of those like, oh no. Could never. be like Jane Eyre or and something. And of course it's like one of those those like 19th century like, you know, you don't open the door. Yeah. Bluebeard or whatever. You yeah. know, never unlock the door. <laughs> gothic horror sort of thing yeah (laughs) so uh i love how rich like how many characters do we have and how in the sense that they're of life that they're so fully developed like it is like a novel in that way 
but it's never boring to me. No. Well, you know, one thing that I, and it's, I, I understand why so many people have trouble watching films like this is because there's a very real sense of that life is brief and then it's gone, you know, and the characters are visibly and talk about that feeling of knowing that life is coming like the as they often yeah. do in Bergman films. I know it's, and it's yet interesting. This movie comes out at the end of Bergman's life. Yeah. You know, this is one of the last films he made after a career of, you know, 40 or some odd films. It's much more optimistic in the end. It's much more hopeful. It's much yeah. more about embrace the joy of the life you have. Mm. You know, death exists and this is it. You know, this is it and it counts. So, I, you know, now that you bring that up, because we watched, um, what is the the um, Seven Samurai um, director name? Kurosawa. Kurosawa. His last, is it Dreams. his last? Dreams. It's not his last film, but it's 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 one of his on. later one ones. Of his and later I think there's some similarities there in, mm-hmm. in, in the way that they look at things. I think that that one also ends on sort of a hopeful mm-hmm. note after the sort of desolate... Um, well, you've had uh, visions of the apocalypse, Of the apocalypse, right? yeah. And, yeah. Um, but this, I don't know. I mean, like, having seen Seven Seal, which, like, pretty much deals with that theme almost exclusively mm-hmm. but in a very stark during those and, wonderful times yeah, of the plague <laughs> yeah. you know in medieval yeah, Europe yeah it's a very stark you know uh, philosophical so almost solely philosophical in in a way where this is very much wrapped up so it's kind of devastating in that in that it deals so directly with that sort of um i think i think we had a, a brief discussion about this when we were getting cocktails and i was a little bit drunk and and I, I talked about a, say? I a little about in, in my own life how after I lost my father, like, that there's no going back from that acknowledgement. Like, that was the first major loss in my life. I lost mm-hmm. other people, but nothing that had that mm-hmm. profound it's an like impact on me. the loss of innocence or the loss of something. You yeah. Know, is... Well, and how does a 12-year-old process that? You know, it's mm-hmm. um, through imagination and, and, and that sort of thing. But I just, that there's... It's it's kind of wonderful and terrible at the same time that other people are having those feelings, you know, because in a sense, when you get lost in that sort of feeling, like you feel like this is it, this is, you know, all there is kind of mm-hmm. thing that you find comfort in other people. But it's it's comforting in a way to know that other people are feeling that way. But it's also kind of devastating that we all have to live in this this mm-hmm. this reality you know and i think that, that this movie does a really good job of demonstrating how that that you know how that balances in a life and it seems very realistic and you know and and the thing is is if i had seen this before my dad died in 2014 i don't think it would have felt that way you weren't ready to connect with it I in that way i wouldn't or? have have understood it on that level i don't think you know hmm. so it's just one of those things that experience teaches you you know for for the better and for the worse you know it's 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 one of those those mixed bags kind of mm-hmm. things you know um but you know when when i saw seven seal when i was you know 19 or whatever i it just it felt over the top and theatrical and not but the thing is is it it is a very human thing and it's only experience that teaches you that it is, you know, 
I guess. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. It's a different kind of film. And yeah. it's a, it's a it's a film that that allows for room for characters to soliloquize. Mm-hmm. You can have the grandmother sit there with Isak, you know, at two in the morning, three in the morning, you know, after the big party is gone and talk about their history and what the family means to her and how, and for five minutes or so, (laughs) you know, and he's kind of drowsy and, and, uh, but like the, they can tell you the innermost feelings from their heart. And it's, it's, it is theatrical in that Mm -hmm. way that you can see the elements of the theater background. Um, in Bergman to allow his characters to just speak like that. Mm. The same way that, uh, or his father gives that long speech in the beginning, you know, at, 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 at the, the party, at the theater yeah. after the nativity play that they put on, right. As they're going to have their banquet on the stage, which is kind of a neat tradition that yeah. they do. They bring in the, the burning punch, you know, lit, <laughs> dance around <laughs> and with dance the around with the punch and set out the table on the mm-hmm. stage behind the curtain after the audience leaves for the theater. Um, and all the people who work there. I don't know. I, I love the profit, movie. It's a mildly profitable theater. This is only the second time learned. I've seen the film all the way through. And again, mm. this is this time I saw the theatrical version. The last time I saw the miniseries. Yeah. And, you know, miniseries, like now it's, it would be like binge watching <laughs> like a TV show on Netflix. It's just five parts. It's yeah. in It's in five episodes. I mean, it has credits for each one. It's just like you you watch the next well, part. And that every, was pretty that's how common. I watched it. I watched it over the course of a week. I watched an episode, watched the next one the next day. And it's, it's, it's not like you're sitting there watching a five and a half hour movie. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, that's, it would be like, you know, th- three part, that was like a big three part miniseries event, like Roots or, or, yeah. um, uh, Anne of Green Gables or Pride and Prejudice, the you know, which I guess PBS still does those, you know, where they have the, you know, it's it's a story, it's Bleak House, but it's taught in, you know, or taught, yeah. presented in, you know, four or five hour presentations or right. four, four and a half or hour and a half long presentations. I don't know. It's, I think it's a good way to, because sometimes a movie is too short. Mm-hmm. And a TV series is too long, so you need something that's. I'm glad in between. Not all Bergman movies are this long. Yes, most of them aren't <laughs> anywhere near this length. Yeah, but um, well, I think that especially. I mean, I don't. Was this based on a novel? No, it comes out of his uh, memories. Completely out of. Well, I I mean, like when we talk about adaptations, this is not an adaptation. No, this is him. Like I want to yeah. set something in the childhood of my youth. Yeah. Alexander is his alter ego, sort of. And then you've got the austere bishop kind of model on his father. And from there you go with creating... Boy, that guy is evil. I mean, like, really evil. Yeah. Like, And, yet, and the, the, the kind of, like, clueless firmly, kind of evil. Like Firmly believes he's in the right and that Alexander is terrible. I mean, he believes his own it's truth. It's so scary. That sort it's of... terrifying. That sort of blind faith. When the children are left alone with yeah. him when she's away... Right? And, the, and they're just locked in the attic. And devoid of empathy, which is like, I don't know, to me, I don't know. That's I guess that's one of the big arguments that you I know, have with religion is that, that they don't make room for empathy for others. Did you notice that their mother, Emily, realizes the mistake she made almost immediately uh-huh. when they have that first dinner? Yeah. And the, the aunts and the start to like correct the children and she's like, 
I'm sorry, these are my children. Are were there are there changes in their upbringing that I'm not aware of that you know because yeah. I think that this is my responsibility and she starts to push back right that yeah. first night and there's that feeling of holy crap what what did she get herself into I just I don't quite know what and maybe there's more but I don't quite know what would draw you know her to him well, I, I mean she go back and, and look yeah at that episode to see she, if she's an more. actress I mean like. I mean, he's obviously attracted to her, but personality-wise, it doesn't seem like they would mesh very well, you know? I think that in his public persona, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe some of this is missing in the film, that he was somewhat charming and, yeah. and stately, and he's an important man. And so there's weird similarities between the role that you put on as, as a bishop, maybe... Yeah. <laughs> and being an actor or something. Yeah. In the public figures. I'm not well, sure. Well, he seems like a... maybe he's like really personable when he's in yeah. church and, you know, that's, I don't know. And like the other thing that I think is interesting is so like, obviously there were, there was a woman and children that lived there previously. Yeah, that's that another one his, of the subplots. His previous wife. And like... Alexander comes up with this idea that um, the ghosts visited him yeah, and told him that that they that, were trapped up in the garret and they that escaped. he locked them in the garret and they escaped and drowned in and the drowned water in outside. the river. Which like, but we never see that ghostly appearance, yeah. so that does seem like Alexander yeah. just making up stories. I don't know, but I think that that I mean because they did drown. Like, yeah, they did. Drown. They drowned. So I mean, like, we don't know the truth of that, yeah, which is a really cool he, thing to yeah. leave ambiguous. Well, he just. I, I don't, he never, it's never explained where the first, you know, what happened, you no, know. I like that it's not explained. But I think that, you know, Alexander may have hit on some element of truth, you know, probably not the exact yeah. thing that happened, but, you know, especially since the guy, you know, immediately, as soon as, as soon as Emil decides that she's not into this relationship anymore and threatens to leave, then he has this whole thing like I'll ruin you in society it's this very like you can't leave me sort mm-hmm. of capture thing you know I'm not even sure how she's able to get away to go see the grandmother no oh. we don't know not not in this version and yeah. I can't promise you that all <laughs> yeah. is answered in the yeah. other version because I don't think it's Bergman's way to like dot every I and cross no. every T and that there's always going to be gaps and um you know room for ellipses and stuff like that but i think that the that there is more time everything Mm -hmm. is stretched a little bit it's there's a little more weight to it and i i think just reading um the wikipedia article i was looking at just they, they were mentioning scenes of uh of the uncles going and trying to plead with the bishop to, you know, release Emily from the marriage. Yeah. This is not anything we saw in this version, yeah. as far as I recall. So there must be some other scenes and, and sections there as well. Two other hours of the yeah, film that we yeah. haven't seen. Interesting. So I'm curious to go <laughs> to watch the other version now. Um, it's just like in li- life does not have time yeah. to watch both the theatrical cut and the five hour version and compare them. Certainly this podcast doesn't have that time. And we've been going on for a while here, so we should. Well, do you have any last to, thoughts? I was about to say I should give my last thoughts so you can talk about this box set that yeah. uh, that you were gifted this Christmas. Yeah. Um, I I enjoyed this movie. Um, I think that, and I I am looking forward to watching more Bergman. Um, although I think that I will continue to have this sort of mixed feelings about you know how 
how it's wonderfully presenting the human condition, but also it's kind of devastating in the way that it does that. So I think that pretty much nails Bergman. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And yet devastating and psychologically terrifying sometimes. So Dave, you got a Christmas present. I got a Christmas gift. Um, Somebody who cares for me a great deal. Who uh, happens to be my co-host and wife. And wife. We did mention we got married last year, mm-hmm. right? Um, got me the um, brand new Criterion Ingmar Bergman Cinema box set. Box set doesn't give this thing justice. I'm holding it right now. And of course you can't see. I'm holding it up as if you can see it. It's a giant box set. It's got a luminous picture, um, a screenshot from Persona on the front. A weird black and white Oh wait, I've image. seen Persona. You've I've seen, seen this. This is my okay, third so Bergman. Third. Okay. <laughs> but this box set has 39, it's 39 <laughs> Ingmar Bergman films spanning his entire career. Um, it starts with Crisis from 1946, goes through all the films you would expect it to have, Smiles, um, Smiles of a Summer Night, Seven Seal, Wild Strawberries, Through a Glass, Darkly, Winter Light, The Silence, Persona, all of those, um, and on and on and up, up through Fanny and Alexander, and even has his last film, Saraband, which I've never seen from 2003. Um, the Thing also has a book that's 280 pages or so. It comes mm. with the book. It comes with all the DVDs um, in a sort of a binder. And here's the thing that I think is just brilliant and that I love about this. They did not just like throw all the movies in chronological order and say, hey, just watch (laughs) them all the way through. They have given us um, basically the DVD collector set version of a film festival. So they have programmed Bergman's 39 films. Um, They've come through and come up with a recommended order of watching them and a series of essays that explain that comments on the ordering. So they, their suggested viewing starts, they even cut, they treat it like a film festival. You open up the book of DVDs and it says opening night and you watch Smiles of a Summer Night, which of course is his, um, his wonderful, you know, romantic comedy, silly sort of thing that he made in, I think the first film to really put him on the, on the map in the U.S. Um, and then, and then you go back to his first, two of his first films and then you see the beginnings of Bergman. And so they just go all the way through. Then there's several like sort of tentpole landmark things along the way. So you get a few a few discs into the set and then they give you Wild Strawberries, you know, another one of the great ones. And you get through um, a few later, you, you get to the the trilogy that has Through Winter Light, The Silence and Winter, Winter Light. Um, and Fanny Alexander is considered to be closing night of the film mm, festival. So we're actually going in reverse order. Yeah. In a way. Um, but I just love that they did that. I've never seen them do that before. Um, but the book, of course, we're both librarians, so we appreciate organization. <laughs> the book has indexes and appendices that then tell you, you know, how to locate the films on the discs, you know, by chronological order or by um, alphabetical order if you're looking for a particular one. So you can get to all of the details about the films, including their credits and cast lists. There's a separate guide to the supplements. Uh. So I do also have the the Akira Kurosawa box set that Criterion did like 10 or 15 years ago. Um, And that was regular DVD. It was before Blu-ray was really a thing. They didn't include any of the supplements. This, they've included all the supplements that you would normally get. The transfers are amazing. They've done brand new, brilliant, like 2K and 4K transfers on a lot of these movies. I've never seen Fanny and Alexander look like this before. Um, My tip to anybody who wants to keep an eye on getting this thing 
is watch for the Barnes and Noble fifty uh, percent off sale that they do a couple times a year. Check Amazon and they'll price match it. Santa took advantage of the uh, yeah fifty percent. You don't off have sale. to pay full price for this thing <laughs> twice a year. Barnes and Noble does a fifty percent off sale. Criterion does a fifty percent off flash sale. Well, once and or Amazon twice a year. Amazon will match the price at the fifty percent so off sale too. You do so. that and you can have this box set of thirty nine movies and. Gradually, slowly, at your leisure, work your way through a film festival of Ingmar Bergman's movies, his entire career. Um, and it also the book also includes a bunch of essays um, and also fragments and pieces of interviews, um, things written by Bergman himself to, to complement it. And it's just magnificent, and I'm almost hugging it right now. Yeah, it's a beautiful <laughs> object, and um, he has been cradling it off and on since... Um, since we got it home. I cradle it and then yeah. I get terrified that it's left out on the table while the kids are around and then I'll go put it on the top of our bookcase Sometimes up there. Sometimes it's in our bedroom. Sometimes it's over there because, you know, you've got to fish a disc out of it, put the rest of it away safely or take the book out and read the essay that goes with the film you're about to watch. Um, we just had some vacation time and I think I've seen four of the movies, That's three or great. four of the movies yeah. now. So, you know, 35 to go. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'll have to keep you updated on that. i I don't know. And I hope, you know, I will certainly let you know when I'm going to watch the, the yeah. important ones. Mm-hmm. But you did watch his first film with me, sort of, kind of sleepily. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. And we're going to start um, at some point, uh, Smiles of a Summer. We would have started yeah. in the recommended order with opening night, yeah. Smiles of a Summer Night, except you were feeling a little bit tired that night. So I said, let me just watch it, the next one. It's okay if you doze through this. It's not okay if you doze through smiles <laughs> on the summer, summer night. Oh my gosh, this is a marathon. We're at 45 minutes. Um, I hope that uh, this makes you want to <laughs> catch up with Fanny and Alexander if you have never seen it or if it's been a long time since you've seen it. It's one of those great ones. And I'm glad that you finally got to see it. Yeah, can't wait to see more. It's uh, Bergman is kind of a blind spot for me, obviously, although I love Persona. Um so more moss, more where this came from. We shall do it. Yes. All right. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next time with Ashley's Choice, which we do not know what it is. I've we asked you know. several times, what do you think you're doing next time? We don't know yet. We don't know.